Okay, this is Aztecs All In uh, episode just from the top. We're going to do that Aztecs All In process episode on the search for a new head coach in five, four, three, two. Oh, hey, wait a minute. They got their man. How about that, Lewis? That was quick. The Aztecs new head football coach, Sean Lewis, was introduced to everybody today. The guy shares your name. He's spelled a bit differently, different order. Yeah, Lewis L O U is better than L E W, but that's well. That's I think you're gonna point. have to talk to him. He's six seven. He might have a few inches on you. But in this episode, we shall hear from the new guy on the mesa about what he has in store for the fan base that's been clamoring for something different. But before we do that, we will hear from Aztecs athletics director John David. Call me J.D. Wicker about the search and how delighted they all are with their prize coach. And they are calling the new brand, they already have a name for it, Aztec Fast. And Coach Lewis pledges to build on the tradition of Air Coriel. Later, we'll hear from John Howard of CBS 8, who was talking to us the day before about Lewis Wiener's beloved process. And by the way, some Aztec basketball while we are at it. But first, Lewis, the Aztecs make it official, official. They How do about make, that? Yeah, they do. And very impressive today. Uh, he is very sharp. He knows his Aztec history. And he talked about playing fast, Steve, exciting for the fans, and just uh, really good energy, I noticed today. Okay, so they welcome Sean Lewis. They introduce him to the Aztec faithful at the Cox Business Center at Snapdragon Stadium. It's an overcast Wednesday, late November. They got the band. They got cheerleaders all introducing him to a big hubbub. And J.D. Wicker is up on the podium talking about their new guy. It's a proven track record of, as an offensive innovator, running an up-tempo offense nicknamed the Flash fast during his tenure as head coach at Kent State University. A balanced offense that produced nearly identical rushing and passing totals in 2021 of 3,425 yards passing and 3,482 yards rushing, both school records, and you really can't get much more balanced than that. This is very clear that having this type of offensive innovator, it's very clear that it was one of our stated goals that this is what we wanted to do. So we're excited to have someone with this type of uh, influence, this type of history, calling, uh, calling San Diego State home. Playing great defense, as the Aztecs have done over the past 15 years, is something that Sean articulated well and understands that's a benchmark of what our program has been. During our discussions with Sean, it was clear his vision of how to establish a program and culture will fit well within our athletic department. A culture built around hard work, caring for each other, and dedication to the holistic development of the student athlete. Another stated goal of our search. Something Sean shared that stood out to me was this comment. By focusing on educating and developing the individuals within the building, we will invest our time and energy where it matters most our people. We are a human system first and a football system second. The quality of our football system depends on the quality of this human system that drives it. Therefore, we will and always must prioritize our people. 
That in a nutshell encapsulates what Aztec Athletics is for me and how we run our department. Next up, Adele Della Torre, the president of San Diego State University, got a chance to show off Snapdragon Stadium again. They've got the MLS coming into town, she says, and she's excited for Aztec sports in general because, of course, the Aztecs did play for the national championship in basketball earlier this season. And she shares the excitement over the hiring of Sean Lewis, mentioned the word transformative when it comes to talking about the experience of being a student at San Diego State, not transactional. Sean Lewis today introduced himself, of course, former offensive coordinator for Colorado, before that head coach at Kent State, known for his innovative and exciting passing game. Of course, San Diego State harkens back to Air Coriel, but Coach Lewis today said it's not just about the offense. His focus is on all three phases, all three playing really fast and playing complementary football. Defense is a priority, right? And I told the guys this morning, right, we're going to challenge them. And as I alluded to in my comments just now, right, if we're going to challenge them to be great in life and academics and within sport, then I'm going to challenge everyone within the organization to be great in special teams, defense, and offense, right? The teams that consistently win championships are great in all those areas. They're not skewed one way or the other. And so we're going to play our brand and our style of complementary football, and we're going to have a cohesion and a unity within our locker room to know that, you know, there's going to be games that we're going to maybe have to outscore people. And there's going to be games where the defense is going to have to shut people out. But at the end of the day, did we come up with a win? Okay, great. Let's understand why we won, all right, and, and then how we can improve upon that. But defense is definitely a priority. And again, to me, the, the challenge and the expectation that I have for the organization and for my staff is to take all the pieces of the whole history of Aztec football, right, and, and let's blend it together here and now in this beautiful moment of time to where we can take the dark side D, we can take Air Coriel, and we can make it Aztec fast. And it's not just when we talk about fast, it's not exclusive to the style of play offensively, but it's a fast physical defense that's flying around. It's a fast physical offense that's flying around. It's a fast physical unit and special teams that's happening as well collectively in all three phases. I think for you know the, the the casual football fan, so to speak, right? That maybe you know went to a few Chargers games throughout the course of the year. Like we're gonna put a great product on the field, so come on out and, and, and get your tickets and, and and be a part of what we're building and what we're doing because this is gonna be a fun brand of football. It's gonna be exciting. We got some great young men that, that are gonna be you know uh, awesome to learn about and that you'll connect with as well. Man, he says all the right things and he says them fast. He's an intelligent tall, good-looking, young 37-year-old man who definitely has the energy to maybe revive this program that did not reach its expectations this season. Lewis? Yeah, he relates to the younger players, too, and during the news briefing, he was asked uh, about playing PlayStation with some of his recruits because he can relate in that way as well. So I think that's really important to get the type of player that he wants to his program, somebody that he can relate to, who could then tie in to the Aztec brand of football, that excitement, again, the Air Coriel, and that's really important to him, and he made a point of talking about that today during his introductory news conference. Again, what a, what a tremendous time what a tremendous opportunity here in this beautiful facility that represents the really bright future that we have at the current task and at this moment of time for aztec football uh, i'm excited to be welcomed and embraced and to lead 
a tremendous program, a tremendous community that has rich tradition going all the way back to Eric Coriel and what he was able to do and how he revolutionized the game of football and how we throw the football today because of his influence and his impact on the game. And I'm looking forward to bringing that excitement, that brand of football, where we're lighting up the scoreboard, where we're playing fast, where we're being balanced, but there is a brand and, and an energy to what we bring day in and day out when our community and our university and our team thinks of Aztec football. There were two separate segments to this program today. The first one was from the podium, which we heard him talking on. And then after that, they sort of broke us out and we in the media got to spend a little bit of time with them in the locker room, which is kind of a, a new thing because under the Hoke regime, no one was allowed in the locker room. In Colorado, there was a some reality program elements to how uh, Deion Sanders exposed his players to the media in that situation. So we'll see if how much availability we'll get with the program going in. But the other thing I was going to mention about his relationship with this new university is he might want to work on his new head boss, who is the president of the university, Adele De La Torre. He mentioned her as De La Tora from the podium in front of everybody, <laughs> but I'm sure he's going to be working on that. I right think away. Our, our Jewish listeners will appreciate the uh, the Torah reference. <laughs> but he's a quick study, and I'm sure he's going to get right on that one. <laughs> I'm sure he will. Uh, one thing, of course, I wanted to ask him about, uh, of course, is high flying offense. That's what he's known for. San Diego State, of course, known for the running game and how he's going to uh, meld those two together. Coach, you talk about high-flying offense, San Diego State tradition, running back Marshall Falk and El Pontre. How do you tie those two in together with, you know, exciting plays through the air, but also the ground game? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, when I talk about high-flying offense, right, it's, it's explosive plays. That's going to be the hallmark of who we are, whether that comes through the air or on the ground. And our last three years at Kent State, uh, the only teams that ran the ball better than us in the country from a run efficiency standpoint were Army and Air Force. And all they do is run the ball, right? And so we have that balance that J.D. spoke to. And, again, they're, they're still – you know, a few alumni events that I like to get back to at Wisconsin and Coach Elvis shows up. You know, I won't, don't want him taking my uh, my power card from me. And so we're sort of going to, you know, have that physicality. And again, right, like I think too often it's hey, we're going to do this or we're going to do that. We're going to be loyal to winning and again, see what our, our, our players are best at. And then we're going to go find a way to win the ball games that we need to right, week in and week out. And what's the best way to get that done? But the run game is going to be a big part of that. Bernie Wilson from the AP got down to brass tacks when he was talking to J.D. Wicker about what the contract details were. And he said the precise things eluded him at the time, but he gave him a general range, I think, of $1.7 million in incentives over five years. I asked him about what the staff budget might be, and J.D. said we're trying to be in the top third in the conference among that. So it sounds like he will have the financial resources and... The hope is he will not only produce a winning program, but stick around a little bit, huh? That is what we are hoping for. Uh, $1.7 million is a little less than I was thinking because the top-paid Mountain West coaches are in the $2.1 to $2.3 million range, and that's where I thought San Diego State would have to go to get the guy they wanted, but apparently a little bit less. But who knows about the coaching staff I'm sure salaries. there are plenty of incentives built in there that he can do much better than that. All he has to do is do what people have been expecting, and he did mention that several times about the job of selling tickets and getting more people in the stadium 
the people who have been clamoring for an offense that blink and you'll miss it and don't have time to look at a replay because the next play is running off. We shall see what we shall see in that regard. Yeah, and you did ask him about his dream job, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. The previous coach was a bit of a bounce back. He did two years, and then he went for his dream job. Do you have a dream job out there that you would? I started as a high school coach, so me sitting here to say that I went from in-school suspension on the south side of Chicago to be sitting here in Snapdragon Stadium in San Diego, this is my dream. I'm living my dream, and this is wildly exciting to me. So he has spent his time in college football, and he was asked by Lee Hacksaw Hamilton what coaching tree he may have descended from. And he mentioned Dino Babers, a San Diego native, and also Barry Alvarez. So two high-quality coaching individuals that we hope he has learned from and will build upon. Yeah, and Dino Babers, of course, hired Rocky Long as his defensive coordinator at Syracuse. So uh, a lot of connections there. Yeah, the one little drop-in toward the end, he was asked by Kirk Kenny of the UT, will you run the 3-3-5 here? And he was non-committal to it. So we shall see what kind of defense the Aztecs will sport. So with that, we will close our section on the breaking news of the last couple of days here. We will bring you some more of the conversations because they were uh, at length in the locker room with the new coach, Lewis, and also J.D. Wicker about uh, some programmatic things having to do with the staff that they've all been told they will get a, a chance to talk to the new head coach. The players were introduced to the head coach, and he talked to them as well. But this is a new guy, and he has been told he can run things his way. So it's just pretty much a clean slate. Yeah, a cornucopia of uh, sound bites we got from him today, and we're excited to share them with you in the coming weeks. Yeah, and we will probably be able to, I think, feather those in as we get more news about what's going on in the program because we gained a lot of insight that we just— <laughs> this podcast would take a lot longer than it already is if we tried to get everything in. We will now move on to our aborted interview with John Howard of CBS 8. We— Recorded it early in the afternoon, and news was sort of getting out. Lewis mentioned there was a report on ESPN about this Lewis hire. We have gone through this interview with uh, Mr. Howard and sort of edited out some dated references to potential candidates and in view of the introduction. And we'll start this first segment of the interview with John when I ask him for his take on the Aztecs' recent football seasons and the overall state of the program prior to today's news. There's a couple of po- great positives and a couple of negatives that I'll always remember Coach Brady Hoke. And going back to his first stint with the Aztecs, what stuck with me, his very first team meeting started at whatever time, 2 p.m. 2 p.m. hit, the door shut, and a couple of players showed up late, and Hoke wouldn't let him in the meeting. And I love the message that that sent. And within his second year, he had the Aztecs into a bowl game, which we had not been to in years. And so I loved that uh, that first impression was amazing and got us to a bowl game in two years. But then a couple of negative things about uh, Hoke. When he left for Michigan, I think it just left a bad taste in uh, in fans' mouths that well, you'd rather be at Michigan, and I get it, Michigan Power Five, huge school, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but nevertheless, I think it kind of left a bad taste in in the mouths of of the fans of the Aztecs. 
And then when he came back, I can't commend the guy enough for the 12 and two season. I, that team, the MVP of the team was the punter and how that team won 12 games when it really didn't have big time stars, big time uh, positional players. I, I was amazed that, that, you know, and I credit the coaching staff for, for coaching 12 wins out of that team. But then the last two years, oh, it, it spiraled in a hurry. And this particular year, I think part of it was a lack of recruiting. We knew we needed a, a, a new quarterback going into the season, and we didn't get one. And by the end of the year, I don't know if Coach Hoke had hit burnout. I, you know, who knows? Um, but, you know, like, and then there's nothing wrong with burnout, just as long as you don't stay in the position like Coach Rocky Long. Rocky yep. Long said, I don't want to be head coach anymore. So he retired and, and moved along. Um, as for Brady Hoke, if, if it was burnout, you know, great. I think he negotiated some kind of a deal with J.D. Wicker to, to lessen the $5 million payout. And and there, it's probably what was best for, for the program, really. So hey, sorry, John, to get long, sorry to get long-winded on you there, but that's just okay. some of the positives and negatives I remember about Hoke. You mentioned the 12-2 and two team, of course. That was a great season, but after not so much. And you could argue that he won with Rocky's players, right? And the players he brought on the last couple of seasons, you know, just not up to par, especially on the defensive side, right? Yeah, and I think maybe that was a tendency with Coach Brady Hoke. And there's been a lot of talk on Sports Talk Radio that maybe he wasn't the best of recruiters. And when you look at his time in Michigan, his first year in Michigan did very well with the previous coaches, players, and it went gradually downhill. I can't remember if he was at Michigan for four years or five years, but it, but every year there were fewer wins until he was let go. And now that happened again the last two years here. He also did well uh, his first stint with the Aztecs. Again, getting the team to a bowl game in his second year here with the previous coaches, players. So I recruit, you know, it's really questionable um, his ability or his staff's ability to recruit. Cause I know it's not just the head coach that recruits. Right. And, and in his defense, uh, part of being a recruiter is you really have to have the ability to have a poker face and, and tell people things they want to hear and maybe things that, you need to tell them to get them in the program that may not necessarily be so. And Hope didn't strike me as the kind of guy who was going to sell you up the river or read you a bill of goods. He was a fairly straight shooter uh, in the Rocky yeah. Long Bowl. There are not enough fans at Snapdragon Stadium. One is the tickets uh, are too high in cost. The, the tickets are too expensive. Yeah, and I'll second that one. <laughs> and secondly, the, the product on the field is not all that entertaining, frankly. And, you know, under the Rocky Long era, it, there was a lot of running going on, and all of us as Sec alums, we, not that I was in school during the Coriel era, but I was in school when you had the likes of Todd Santos and Dan McGuire and, guy, and Ryan Lindley and guys slinging the ball all over the place. It's obviously a more entertaining version of play. And Rocky Long had a lot of running offense, which was a little bit dry, but he was winning games. And when you win 10, 11 games every year and you're going to a bowl game, you can put up with it. But if it's going to be, you know, a running game and, and you're finishing six and six on the year, I, it's just not what's going to bring Aztec fans out to the, out to the stadium. 
We continue our conversation now with John Howard, who joined us just after the report surfaced from Pete Thamel of ESPN that Sean Lewis was a major candidate for the job of head coach at San Diego well, State. Well, they were saying it was a done deal. We hadn't confirmed it yet. Eventually did, but yeah. Yep. Got it. He got it first. He, he did get it first. Good on him. And so while it wasn't official yet, we did ask John about his feelings about Sean Lewis possibly coming to San Diego State. Maybe he might bring some of that uh, primetime Sanders uh, magic with him. Uh, the fact that he's experienced what has gone place this season with that program, it's amazing that that Dion got rid of whatever, 60, 70, 80 players. And I, I know that uh, Wicker does not want to see a huge turnover like that. But there does need to be significant turnover of personnel, seemingly based on what happened this past season. J.D. does know that uh, a little more entertaining offense is necessary because you all know us San Diegans, we San Diegans have a lot of other things we can be doing other than sitting in a stadium uh, on a Saturday night. Some of the players, John, are already leaving. Uh, a couple of them have already uh, headed to the portal. They've announced it. Joshua Nicholson, wide receiver. Cameron Harpole, tight end. And there'll be a lot more. So it'll be interesting to see how many of the current players stick around. Uh, mm -hmm. First of all, if they want to stick around. And second, will the new coaching staff want them to stick around? So there's so much going on on that end. Well, J.D. has told him, yeah, sorry to interrupt, John, but I, I think he has told the players, please stick around and mm -hmm. uh, give a talk to the new coach. It's, it's the new look college football with the portal and NIL, and it, it is a different ball game. And with NIL, what are we in our second, third year or so of it? We haven't really seen all the ramifications, but there could be big turnover, whether it's the players making the decision to leave or whether it's a new coaching staff coming in and suggesting the players leave. We'll be, I'm but, not so sure that wasn't one of the things that maybe hastened Brady Hoke's departure, just the changing face of college. He talked at length about that uh, going into the season, wasn't a big fan of the NIL or the transfer portal, but having to deal with it. And with a school like San Diego State, it's not – Something that it's not a school that has billions of dollars in an endowment stashed away to start throwing money around, and I don't know if they properly should do that anyways for at you know college athletics, but that's just my feeling. And as someone who does care more about the big picture, I I kind of hate to see that happen at San Diego State, but uh, elsewhere it seems to be the way of the world. I, I remember Hoke describing the current football situation. He said, we are a pro model. It's now basically professional sports. And I think he's right about that. And I know this is another discussion for another day. Yep. But, but what about Title IX? I mean, if, if these schools that have millions of dollars to give to the football players, well, what about Title IX? Is there going to be millions of dollars to give to the female athletes as well? It's, it's, you know, that's that, been that's the argument for that's for been the time. argument for decades in, in college sports. And, sure. you know, most schools uh, added a lot more uh, women's sports because of that. And when they have to uh, eliminate sports due to budget reasons, they're now cutting men's sports uh, yep. and adding women's sports. So uh, you make a great point there, John. Yeah, and I, I, I think the rule is whatever your percentage of students, that needs to be your percentage of athletes. If there's 52% females, there needs to be 52% uh, 
uh, female athletes in your athletic program. And so when you've got a football program of some 80 kids, well, that's going to be like four or five women's sports, you know, that only have five to 10 to 15 members. So, and it's the, the real bummer there was losing men's volleyball at San Diego State. I know that's another discussion for another time, but I, it really was a bummer to lose men's volleyball uh, since that is the lone NCAA championship. Absolutely. 1973. <laughs> we know it well as alums, right? Ask any Aztec alum. Right. What is the lone the national championship? It right. was almost number two with basketball. We came close, oh, right? It's amazing. Down five yep. with five minutes left. Not to be... Not to be. John, well, John um, we know you have more duties today, so we'll let you get to them and look forward to seeing you report those on the I, next I edition that. of New Saint. I appreciate that, Steve. This was the most important thing on my day, so I was glad I got to do it. Well, thank much you. thanks, we'll John. You, we appreciate we'll it. We'll let you go. Thank you very much. All right. Talk to you guys later. On our next edition, we'll hear thoughts on the most recent matchup across town at Lion Tree Arena at UC San Diego, where the Aztecs faced off Friday against the Tritons of the Big West. They're lucky to be 7-1 and one after that game, trailing nearly the entire time before a last-second putback by who else but Jaden Ledeek. One of those danged-if-you-do, danged-if-you-don't situations as Darion Trammell and Lamont Butler discussed following the Point Loma Nazarene game on Monday, November 27th, which the Aztecs won as they also defeated the Tritons as well on Friday night, barely. But both Butler and Trammell talked about how they can always expect the opposing team's best. And oh yeah, their lack of respect in the national rankings so far. You know, we're winning. The crazy thing is we still have a lot of room to improve. Um, myself, I feel like I, I still haven't played at my highest level yet. But, uh, you know, the team is, is clicking at high cylinders right now. We're just going to continue to get better. The rankings don't really, you know, matter to me. You know, we got to go out there and, and compete at the highest level every day. Um, you know, we're going to get the team's best best shot. You know, we went to the national championship game last year. So every game is going to be, um, you know, facing facing the team, the other team's best. So we just go out there and play. You know, if we get ranked, great. If we don't, we're going to keep chopping away. It's something that's out of our control. Uh, we only just pay attention to what we can, and our biggest opponent is ourselves at the end of the day. So staying locked in and uh, let the polls take care of itself and just play at a high level and keep proving that we deserve to. I mean, that we're one of the best teams in the nation. Uh, it's something that we talk about every game. Uh, we talk about how, I mean, the team that we see on film is not the team we're going to see when we play them. Uh, we're going to get their best shot. Players are going to have probably one of their best games, but I mean, I think that's what makes it special because we still come out victorious in the end uh, through the team's best game. We can come out and pull a W out. Let's close with the tale of a boy, his old coach, and his dog. Lewis, did you know that Point Loma Nazarene College head coach Justin Downer has a red Labrador named Bo? Well, he does. Mark Ziegler of the Tribune goes all in to use our vernacular on this whole <laughs> topic because Lamont Butler knows full well that Justin Downer has a red Labrador named Bo because the coach and the player have known each other for a long time, ever since Butler, according to Ziggy, was a five foot seven, 120-pound seventh grader in Riverside. They would work out almost daily. Riverside Poly High School and the West Coast Elite AAU programs where he impressed the coach as a smart kid. You can check out the whole story, but here's what Butler had to say after the game about that whole relationship and the whole experience of facing a former coach and mentor. 
That was a tough team. You know, they shot the ball well. We knew that, you know, coming in. Um, I'm very familiar with the coach, Justin Downer, so I knew he was going to have the team ready. Um, so, you know, it was really fun to go out there and, and play that game. No, it, it was really cool. It was really cool. Definitely a special moment. Uh, you know, we talked about it. I, um, I actually went and watched his dog on Thursday. Like, that's how close we are. Like, so, you know, that's, that's my guy. You know, I got much love for him. And, you know, it was great to see him at a, at a head coach position. You know, it's been a long way since, you know, the Riverside Poly days when we were both both there and you know now I'm very proud of him and uh, you know glad we was able to play tonight. He was one of the first to you know really you know, take me under the wing. Um, you know I was a freshman coming in and uh, he worked me out every day you know through my first three years of high school with, until he left and uh, you know we really built a special bond. Like he was with my family you know at the final four run. Um, you know he, he's always coming over to the house talking talking. Uh, he's just a really good mentor and you know it's, it's definitely special to, to be here on the court with him. If you have a chance to check out the whole story, please do. It's San Diego Union Tribune. Spend a buck if you have to get past the paywall. There's a cool photo there from the Butler family of Lamont Butler, who was then a sophomore at Riverside Poly High School, and a young assistant coach named Justin Downer at the CIF championship game. So pretty cool stuff. We wish them all the best as the Sea Lions and the Tritons continue in their seasons. We'll have more Aztecs basketball on our next episode coming up sooner than you know it. And that will do it for this edition of Aztecs All In. Thank you so much for listening. Please follow or subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. You can also follow us on the X at Aztecs underscore all underscore in. And as always, drop us a line at AztecsAllIn at gmail.com. For Steve Perez, I'm Lewis Weiner. Until next time, so long.